state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back to Adrian. Fakes a handoff. Keeps himself. Adrian goes. 30, 25, 20, 15. Cuts back at the 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Adrian Martinez from 41 yards out. Huskers within a PAT of tie in this game. All right, let's go. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Austin Orman. Thank you. Welcome to another Sports Nightly Wednesday night edition. Ben McLaughlin, Austin Orman with you tonight. Grace Sharp, other obligations this evening. Stuck with us for the next three hours. B-team, I guess. Cool with that, Austin? Yeah, I think that's probably fair for now. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nobody likes to be number two, but, you know, I guess for tonight we're going to have to be and just deal with it. You know, maybe if we, uh, um, you know, it's like the starter got injured and it's our opportunity. You know, we're going to get snaps next man up. Maybe maybe we perform well enough to where we can earn more reps at the top spot. I don't know. You know, that's just the thing. It's not about being number two or a backup option. It's about, I got a job to do tonight. You got a job to do tonight. Tim's got a job to do tonight. That's all it's about. It's not about titles, not about putting labels on. It's just got to be a team effort tonight. Well, well, we'll do our best to slap a Band-Aid on this edition of Sports Night. We've got a lot to talk about. It was another news-filled day, um, not just in the world of Husker football, but a uh, blockbuster trade in the NBA tonight as well. Uh, don't talk a ton of NBA on this show, but we'll get to that at some point. And uh, there's been some chatter about college baseball. Uh, I've been asked approximately 64 times in the last week about Nebraska baseball schedule and when that will be released and whatnot. Uh, Kendall Rogers, who is probably the number one college baseball reporter out there, did some tweeting today. Uh, about other leagues and where they were at with their scheduling and what they're expecting here uh, for the spring season. Uh, he did address Big Ten uh, a little bit in that as well. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, of course, you want to be a part of the show, dial us up, 531-500-4686. Again, 531-500-4686. That's the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations, and service experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Well, as uh, you just heard a moment ago from Tim, uh, it was a busy day for the Blackshirt defense and a good day for Nebraska's secondary as uh, earlier in the afternoon, the first announcement that Deontay Williams would be sticking around in Lincoln for another season and, and uh, you know, taking advantage of the eligibility freeze this season with college football. Uh, that pairs him up with Cam Taylor Britt and JoJo Doman, who also announced they were coming back on the defense. So at that point, you, you know, basically had, um, you know, two, two of your key contributors and you, and you added in a third when Deontay posted on Twitter today that he was coming back. Uh, let's just start first with Deontay Austin. And, you know, from what I know about, Deontay Williams, this young man who uh, was lightly recruited um, out of high school, goes to junior college, gets injured, uh, misses some time. Obviously, with the new staff comes in, they they bring him here to Lincoln, and we all know how you know his first season went was a jumbled mess in that in that safety spot uh, with uh, with some experienced guys and 
you know, bringing in Trey Neal as well. Uh, not a lot of opportunities for snaps for Deontay. And then, you know, we all expected two seasons ago that that to kind of be the year that he took off. Well, he injures his shoulder in the first game of the season, misses the entire season. So we uh, really got our first look at what Deontay Williams can bring as a player this last fall as he played in every game for the Big Red and, um, you know, I think added a, a leadership aspect to that defense and especially when some members of that secondary started dropping like flies, Miles Farmer, uh, Nadab Joseph, et cetera, um, you know, that, that spot became thin rather quickly Austin, when you think of Deontay Williams and the impact that, that he had and when you heard the news today, what stands out to you most about what Nebraska was getting back next season? It stands out to me in that, you know, he really seems like a conscience of that locker room. Not the most vocal guy necessarily, but he seems like a guy that's a heart and soul of that back end especially, where, you know, he's been around the block, he's seen some stuff, he's gone through some stuff, he's come through, he's better for it. I wasn't necessarily expecting to get him back. He's a grown man. He's got all sorts of other things he could be doing, but I think it's awesome for Nebraska. They get experience, and they get a guy that's always looking to prove himself back. You mentioned went to junior college, then he comes here, he gets injured, a heck of a year last year, third on the team in tackles with 51 of them, four of them for loss, as well as four passes defended. So obviously he's a great player on the field. Love to see him healthy last year, making an impact. But I think he means as much in the locker room as he does in the back end of that defensive backfield. We had a nice talk with Deontay this season with one of our Cornusker conversations. And Deontay's a father, and he's got all kinds of responsibilities away from football and, and the big thing that I took away from that talk with him and, and from the first time I talked to him his first season on campus was just how much his perspective has changed on life. And, you know, he, he gives such cerebral answers to every question you have that's just filled with honesty. And I feel like, you know, Nebraska really needs that right now. They need somebody that has, has some life perspective. They have some age to them and, and you know, can really – shed their experiences on other players and that leads us into the second player that announced that he was coming back and Markel Dismuke so double your pleasure in the safety room uh, so you get both starting safeties back Austin I guess you know when with Markel I guess in Deontay too my, my thought was perhaps Nebraska would have to find some help there in the portal um, about a month ago, you know, that that was looking likely as, you know, it turns out Markel um, has, a, has a kid as well. And, you know, those two guys could have very easily said it's time to start life. It's time to move on from football if the NFL is not in the cards and help raise our families. Um, but instead, both want to give it another turn. I, I, I was kind of leaning that both of those those guys would take off for their nef, next life life challenge, and instead they're both back. Safety was at one time a, th a spot where I felt Nebraska needed to dip into that portal and get a guy or two because you're not sure uh, the health and safety of Miles Farmer, where he's at in his rehab. You're still waiting on guys like Noel Pola Gates to, to take that turn. I know you're excited about some of the younger players, but keep in mind, you lose Jaden Francois, you lose Ronald Delancey, those guys transfer out, you lose Henry Gray, uh, all guys that you thought in the back end would be there to help you. Well, the, those players aren't here anymore, so you're, you're already down a few numbers. But, you know, the safety goes from potentially one of your thinner positions to one of your deepest with these two guys coming back. 
Um, you know, Markel, you talk about guys that have been around the block. I mean, Markel is the, the last Calabrasca guy. We kind of thought hey. that last year might be his last season. Another young man who's been through a ton in his Husker career. Um, a lot of people thought, including the new coaches, that he wasn't going to last here, that he was going to be, you know, ticketed to a transfer and just not stick it out. But uh, another young man who did a lot of growing up upstairs. And um, to be honest with you, I don't I don't know that I ever talked to Markel before this season. I, I had a chance. I think I interviewed him three times this last fall and got to know him just a little bit. And, and another guy that just sounds like he's completely grown up. And I think to me, the biggest thing that stands out about both Markel and Deontay Austin isn't that, yeah, they play safety and it's going to be great to have experience on the back end. But I feel like these are guys that have a lot of life perspective and can really help bring a locker room together. Plus, you throw in guys like Cam Taylor Britt and Jojo Doman. Mm -hmm. And this is becoming quickly the scenario in which that Coach Frost talks so much about, specifically with teams like Northwestern, where they've been playing forever with one another. They've got that experience. They've got that co cohesiveness. They've, they've played together for a long time. And, and I think Nebraska has that on the defensive side of the ball, potentially returning nine starters. I'm expecting Ben Stilley to say he comes back. I'm expecting Will Honus to say he comes back. That's just my gut right now. No inside information on that. That's just kind of what I'm thinking with those two. If those two come back, you've got nine of your 11 back. And, you know, guys that have been through a heck of a 2020 Austin, I feel like the, the, the core group of this defense, and, and the, it's amplified tenfold with the two safeties today, that these are the type of guys that Coach Frost and this coaching staff need in the locker room right now to help mend whatever fracture that there is, whatever disconnect that there is from team beliefs to on-field beliefs to whatever it is that, that's missing on, on Saturdays. You hope these players and another year of these players – can put the younger guys in a position to understand what this culture of this program needs to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've seen the defense grow in leaps and bounds on the field, but we keep talking about how we need to see some growth off the field, in the locker room. You get that consistency. And seeing these guys that have been around the program for that long, and that means something to it. You know, if Ben Stilley comes back, he's a Nebraska kid there. Getting Cam Taylor back in and of itself was a win. If you would have stopped there, that's a pretty good offseason. But you get both your starting safeties back, both guys who have been around the block. They're grown men. They still have something to prove as well. I don't know if they'd be back if they didn't feel otherwise. So getting all those voices back, and they're not competing voices. It's not like like they all have their own agenda where Deontay and Mark Hell are competing against each other in a bad way. It's not, you know, Cam Taylor Britt, look at me, I'm the star cornerback, I get my way, I'm going to flash my chain to keep to leave style. It's nothing like that, you know. There are a lot of guys working toward the same goal emotional guys and that they want to see this program succeed they've stuck it out they've been around the block and they think they can leave it better than they found it that's a lot of guys working toward one goal and we've seen it you know show up on the field just how much better that defense got last year especially towards the end of the year it was incredible leaps and bounds there so you know with those young guys transferring out that you mentioned getting the three guys on the back end back those are almost three more recruiting wins for Travis Fisher mm -hmm. I'm sure he was talking to those guys 
you know, and I'm sure he's thrilled to have him back. How could you not be? So getting them back for another year is, I think, good for them, but it's even better for the program. Give that stability. Make sure they have another year for the young guys to see, hey, this is what we're about. This is how we go about our business. And it's another year that there are resources for those guys. Clearly, like you said, Deontay, Markel have been around the block. They're a great resource for these young guys to learn from, to look up to, just to pick their brain. I think this is all good for Nebraska. Let me let me kind of put it to people this way as well. And and I, I've been, you know, admittedly, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit this way. Austin, maybe you have too. Uh, but I definitely know fans have been. And that's that's just the, the level of concern with, I guess, the the intentions, the the buy-in factor, the the culture. I mean, all that stuff kind of going through people's minds, especially with the Wandale news, him transferring out and – you know, two years in a row, you lose your top top receiver, your your best offensive playmaker. Um, the rumor this, rumor that, this guy's going to leave, this guy's not. I mean, it just it drags you down, and it really has you thinking big picture. Um, and and the biggest thing that that these players bring that that are coming back, and and obviously you want their production on the field, but all of them are so in on Nebraska that 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 gives me comfort. It gives me comfort to know that there are there are a lot of players still in this program that are doing it for the right reasons that that still, you know, believe in the mission. They they're still listening to their coaches. That that the coaches haven't lost the team. That that this this thing isn't as fractured as some may believe it to be that, you know, the 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 results on the field on Saturdays haven't haven't taken away from the belief the want to the passion of these players for this university I think if it were a situation where that was the case you would see guys like Markeldis Muke or Deontay Williams who have that eligibility say I got one more year go get me to a place that's already solidified go get me to a winner go get me to you know, even if it's not a Clemson or Ohio State, get me to a program that is going to win some games that I can go, you know, play in a bowl game or something along those lines. But that's not happening. I, I they still believe in the vision. I think that that to me is the biggest reassurance, the biggest thing that I'm, you know, kind of counting on to settle me, settle me down and calm me down after some really disparaging news this week is there are still guys in this locker room that believe in what's going on and are still have very powerful voices. Austin, think about how different the tone of this show would be if as expected, you know, Deontay and Markel say, yeah, we're, you know, we're just going to move on. We're going to try it out. Cam Taylor Britt gets a high draft grade, maybe a third rounder. And he said, yeah, I'm just going to go try in the NFL. And, and I don't know that any of us expected Jojo, Jojo to come back. Imagine how he'd be feeling about the voices in the locker room, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. If those guys aren't here, I mean, that gives me just so much comfort and just the off season and how, this is going to go and, and what the what the group texts are like what the meetings are like what the you know xbox parties or whatever it is that they they do to kill time i just feel like getting those guys and and of course you know getting the next batch of recruits in here that's another year of tutorship that that these guys have with the older players i think that to me is the most reassuring and calming thing about where we are this offseason even with some tough news Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what we, you work the show all the time. I'm in the back. We, we hear from fans. We want consistency. They see the flashes of hope, but then there's always, you know, the, the gut punch, the kick to the nuts that comes afterwards. Getting these two guys back, this is just a couple pats on the back, you know, nothing else 
to worry about. This is good stuff where you don't always have to be looking over your shoulder. It's not always, okay, what's going to go wrong this time? It's Stuff can just go right. And I think these guys in Deontay and Markel, you mentioned JoJo, Cam Taylor-Britt as well, they buy into Nebraska, and that's awesome. You know, like you said, the rumors here, the rumors there. This has been a crazy week with everyone coming, everyone going, all sorts of stuff like that. Getting these guys back will steady that locker room. They can be a voice, even for the new guys on offense that are coming in, but especially for that defense. That's where you know we've seen Nebraska's offense be up and down. But last year, I think Nebraska really leaned on its defense, especially toward the end of the year. Watch how they shut down Rutgers at the start of the year against Penn State. We've seen that unit grow. And I think this is a good sign for the program, too, in that if a couple individual players can grow up, the more and more they're in that locker room, the more and more they're saying, hey, guys, this is what this program did for me. This is what this program can do for you. That goes a long way in helping build that stability that Coach Frost, Coach Shenander, Coach Lubick, and all the fans across the state are looking for. Yeah, I mean, especially with how publicized it was with the recruiting class that all the Florida kids left. You know, you had Delancey and Fleming decided to just pack their bags and dip midseason. You know, just had a lot of people probably wondering what is going on. I, I got that question a lot is, you know, is there something more that's happening that we don't know about? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But you, the pro, I mean, the fact of the matter is you still have guys in that locker room that, you know, are willing to – you know, put their lives on hold when they've got pretty important things waiting for them at home to give this thing another try and to keep that passion burning at Nebraska. I think that's very important. We welcome on our first guest of the night, Greg Smith from Hale Varsity. Greg, it's been a crazy 72 hours, I guess. Uh, you know, is your head on straight after everything, trying to keep track of all this? This has just been crazy. Yeah, I think I've got my, like, where the Huskers now uh, tracker all settled in, and I think think I'm all locked in now on what's happening. It's really been uh, a tough week to kind of quantify. I I suppose let's start with some of the negative, and there was a lot of smoke even as as long ago, Greg, as a couple of months ago with Wandale Robinson and um, really what, you know, he and and people in his camp were saying about – uh, his future, I guess, to, to kind of finally see it manifest. What was your reaction to the news that, that Wandale would be moving on? Yeah, I guess the the first thing I thought was, man, this is tough, big picture for the program. I think that, you know, anytime, you know, you lose a productive player, that's that's one thing, that's tough. But to lose a guy who's been productive and has all accounts been great in the locker room, has been a guy who's been a peer recruiter, has been a guy that whose recruiting visits when back when those were able to happen, he's in every promotional video and graphic. Like it, he's the face of the program. Like it's it's really difficult, um, big picture to quantify like how much it stings um, to lose a guy like that. Um, especially seemingly when on the surface, seemingly things were going pretty well, uh, despite kind of the usage issues that I think we all could kind of see um, from week to week that kind of started during this freshman year. Greg, when you look at, and I know you and, and your team at Hill Varsity kind of put some numbers together, at the wide receiver position under this staff, it's really quite puzzling and troublesome when you look at the lack of production that they've been able to recruit uh, at the right wide receiver spot. I think when, when Coach Frost and this offensive staff was hired, we kind of felt Okay, well, you know, quarterback should be should be solid, wide receiver and running back. Those are the positions that we should feel best about. It just really hasn't manifested that way. What do you think that that comes down to? Why is it so tough for Nebraska to find wide receivers that not only stick around but are productive? 
Yeah, it, it's been really puzzling because I, as I think I explained to someone on Twitter the other day, like they've done a, the staff has done a really nice job of attracting talent, right? Like they like you have to give them credit for getting those guys here, um, but then something is happening and something's amiss when it comes to it, then just getting those guys ready to be ready to roll the first year that they get on campus um, in a way that we see around the country um, time and time again from young receivers or junior college receivers at that because Nebraska has had that as well. Um, so there's just been a problem with either kind of getting development up to speed where you can get the guys out there. Maybe it's digesting the playbook. Maybe it's simplifying the playbook to get guys comfortable with it, with what they can execute out there. Um, but there's been too many guys that have come um, with accolades to Nebraska at skill positions, specifically wide receiver, and then you just don't hear anything from them. Um, and then you look up and they're transferring. Like it's just been too much of that going on and it's why it feels like nebraska is always inexperienced at wide receiver your your, uh one of your main duties uh is covering recruiting which is hard enough as it is doing high school recruiting but now you know with the idea of you know grad transfers and junior college but the transfer portal also is probably making your job extremely difficult on uh, the same day that wandale leaves samari toure from montana uh comes over to Nebraska, when you look at, at, at the situation uh, with the transfer portal, Greg, and really what Nebraska is attracted to, um, I mean, we could, we could have our own topic on, on just the transfer portal, but what Nebraska is mainly looking at right now, what, what, what do you look at in terms of what's available in terms of scholarship numbers and what Nebraska needs uh, right away to have them come help? Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is that it's kind of shifted as we've gone through this offseason. And it feels like the offseason is going so long already because uh, it feels like an eternity ago when they played Rutgers. Um, but but throughout that time, it shifted because you would have thought maybe early on that, you know, defensive back, specifically safety, would have been a, a position that they would need to look at. Um, but in the end, you don't because Markel Dismuse and Deontay Williams come back um, maybe inside linebacker or maybe linebacker, but then JoJo Doman announces that he's coming back, you're hopeful for Will Honus, right? And so that's changed. So now you're looking at obviously wide receiver where they got Samari Torre from Montana. It was a really good pickup. Um, running back was another spot dependent upon what happened with Diedrich Mills, but then we found out also about that situation and with Marquis Stepp coming in. So it's kind of been a thing where Nebraska has the transfer portal has been kind of crazy to follow and been wild, but adding in senior decisions to that has made this just even harder harder to follow along to figure out where it goes because I think as Scott Frost said in his signing day press conference roster management these days is kind of a moving target yeah and I I don't know that that target's stopping anytime soon the the transfer portal Greg when you look at it the numbers are just eye-popping I think the last time I looked there was like 1200 players in that portal you know you look at that even what it was three years ago and it was such a, a benefit a lot of times for the student athlete to enter that thing and go find a new home. Um, I feel like with 1,200 players in there, there's a lot of guys in there that they're going to find out the grass isn't always greener on the other side. They're not going to always get that Power 5 offer. What's been your interpretation of how the the transfer portal has kind of manifested the last three years and just how many of these players will be left without homes because there is only a certain amount of teams they can play for? 
Right. I think that you, you nailed it, that I think that guys are finding out rapidly that it is the grass is not always greener. And I think that's something that guys are going to have to come to grips with is even if you were a big-time recruit coming out of high school, you may not be a big-time transfer portal guy if you enter the portal. Um, and if you were kind of a mid, kind of three-star prospect, your chances of then landing at a Power 5 school if you didn't put out good film and didn't have some production at your previous school – are really low. Like, I think that almost all guys in those cases are having to either drop down a level or find a home that's not in the Power Five um, that they may not have thought that they were going to get to uh, when they first left their, their previous school. So it's taken on a life of its own. And I wonder if we end up, I, I would hope maybe that you end up having a snapback of sorts where guys maybe really start to think this through about whether or not that's actually the best decision for their future because the results are not going the way that a lot of guys want it to go right away yeah greg and it's hard to believe that uh, there's still another round of, of signees coming here in february nebraska of course doing the bulk of their heavy lifting in, in december as a lot of teams are the the team adds winning ho huli from from hawaii big big sign of a four star what with the with the transfers coming in with marquis step and and samari Toure, what what do you expect nebraska to do in february are they still looking to add a piece or two uh, or are they just kind of stand pat and wait to see, you know, what other movement they have on their own roster first? Yeah, I think that really the February signing day is going to come down to one name locally that we all know, and Savante Dickerson from Omaha Westside, um, who was committed to, who, well, he is committed to Minnesota, but did not sign with Minnesota in the December signing period. And I think that we've talked about this here before when they first put the December signing period in, is that if you don't sign in December, the coaching staff that you are committed to basically views you as an uncommitted player. So they're trying to re-recruit you, and then other schools are treating you the same way and trying to recruit recruit you really hard too. Nebraska is in the mix with Dickerson. I still think it comes down to either Nebraska or sticking with Minnesota. I think it's going to be too late for other schools to get in there. Um, but then after that or besides that, I think that Nebraska will just continue to evaluate um, what happens with their current roster. And I think they're getting in the position of now it might be best available player. If they can get a, a, you know, a pass rusher that can really help them um, in the transfer portal, um, then cool. If they could get an interior offensive lineman, hey, we'll take that too. Um, I think you can go in a couple of different directions there um, as they really only have just a couple of spots left for this cycle. It'll be definitely fascinating to see how this ends up and, and really where they come from. There's one more thing I want to bring up uh, with you, Greg, and, and we kind of talked about it a little bit already, is, is the junior college aspect of it. We talked about Diedrich Mills already. I think um, you know, th there is a little bit of a misconception out there that junior college players just aren't aren't hits. They're, 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 they just haven't worked out. You know, a lot of people will look at Omar Manning or, um, you know, even some other players that Nebraska has gotten in the last few years that, that just haven't panned out. Mike Williams, Jerron Woodyard, some others uh, that haven't panned out at Nebraska. But, you know, don't, don't forget that Will Honus, Deontay Williams, I mean, there's a handful of other guys that uh, are junior college prospects. Feldarius Payne, another one. When you come down, where do you come down on success rate for JUCOs and really what coaches can expect from that and why, why it's still important to take those risks on some junior college players? 
Yeah, I think Jordan Riley has another guy in there yeah. um, that could be mentioned that I think would have had a nice season had he not kind of you know injured his knee late in camp. I think that it's like most other recruiting related things. It's a mixed bag. Um, I just the thing that I think is messing up the perception with JUCO situation really, and it's unfair to him specifically, but Omar Manning in the situation yeah. there kind of messed that up um, because I think that when you have such a high profile addition and people expect so much from you and you really you don't even really get on the field I think that that really changed the perception but there have been quality players that come to Nebraska from Juco and you name a couple of them Deontay is one for sure Will Honus um, could end up being a multi-year starter if he elects to come back the same as Williams um, so you've gotten and Mills obviously was productive too so you've gotten some production it's just there's it does feel like also there's a little bit of feast or famine there either too where either you're a starter and you're a key contributor or cause on the team or we just don't really see you and i think that that also contributes to it yeah i think that's a fair point greg smith hail varsity with us here on sports nightly greg thanks so much for giving us a few minutes man i know it's just been a circus for us it's been a circus for you and everybody that that covers and follows the team it's been it's been an unbelievable week um you know one in one out almost type scenario but doing our best to keep up with it all and, and you guys over there at hill varsity continue to great do great work greg thanks so much for giving a few minutes uh we'll talk to you again soon man thanks so much Hey, thanks, Ben. You guys have a great week. Let's welcome on good friend of the show, old stranger, Luke Gifford, current member of the Dallas Cowboys. Giff, how the heck are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're we're uh we're just trying to, you know, play roster management and find out what the heck's going on with this team. It, it's it's been such a strange and bizarre year. Could you imagine going through a 2020 while you were still in school? I mean, it, it was hard enough being a senior as it was and then throw throw this on top of it. Yeah, no doubt. I no, I can't imagine. I'm I'm uh I'm really fortunate that I don't have to go through that. I don't envy them. That's for sure. It's been a I mean, we we talk all the time about needing a break after this football season. I don't know that there's a human on the on the planet that deserves a break in the offseason more than you. I mean, you've had uh, an, an unbelievable season, both following the Huskers and and of course down there at Dallas as well. Um, getting injured yourself, you guys lose Dak early on. Um, Andy goes down too. Just been a an impossible season for you. And then you know watching the Huskers every Saturday or every chance that you got to is just made for probably a pretty frustrating football season. I guess uh, how you holding up after after everything you've endured this season? Yeah, it, I, I'm doing good. Um, you know, it, it was it was very up and down um, for both of us. You know, but. Um, yeah, we it's just it's just been one of those years I think for everybody, but you know at the end of the day you just got to put it in perspective and I think we're all pretty blessed to still be able to play football and and have it around this year at all. So, that's kind of how I've been trying to look at it, you know. Yeah, and I think that's I mean that's 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 the best way to look at it and for you, you know, going through an injury but but still getting to contribute. You were named a captain one week. That was awesome to see. Get, get, just tell us tell us where you're at and, and what you're doing right now with uh, with the time off and and really what uh, you know what what the franchise and the NFL is is asking of you guys or or kind of the umbrella that you're under right now. Yeah, you know, so um, right now, actually, I, I decided to stay in Dallas this offseason. Uh, last year, I went back back home to Lincoln. I'll probably go back and forth a little bit. But, yeah, you know, since we're done, um, we don't have – the teams that are done, we don't have a whole lot of restrictions now other than the guidelines that, you know, everybody's supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the way it's working is that if we want to work out in um, in the facilities at the at, uh, with the Cowboys, then we have to be able to test at least two or three times a week um, and test positive. And then if you miss a test, then you have to test get tested at least three times, I believe, or something like that before you can get back into the building. So they're doing everything they can to you know keep it safe and monitor guys, but. Um, yeah, man, I think everybody's just, you know, it's been a long year. So for the guys that are done, um, I think everybody's just kind of taking a couple of weeks to have to themselves and have with them family, their families and just kind of rest up and, and get right for a little bit. Giff, I, I want to say one of our last chats when you were in Lincoln is about what was next for you. And, and I think a lot of our conversation was geared towards you just wanting an opportunity someplace. Well, you got one in Dallas, and it was pretty clear from the get-go that, that they liked a lot of your skill set and what you could bring. And um, I think when you were even in maybe an OTAs, we had you on, and you know they, they, they were all about getting you in the playbook and you know treating you like, like you were on the team already. What, what type of situation did you walk into with Dallas and you know the role that they've asked of you and really like how you've had to grow as a player and you know kind of take that next step to be a pro? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think um, the biggest thing has been, you know, we, we're uh, we're pretty stacked at linebacker. You know, we got Jalen Smith, Lane Van Resch, and Sean Lee. Um, so those three guys are really solid. And so I think my role has just been to to dominate on special teams and then be ready to fill in when I can. You know, and that's that's what being a pro is, um, especially at this level. You never really know when your opportunity is going to come and whether that may be on defense or special teams, whatever it may be, you know, you just always have to be ready to step up. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me is being prepared every week, uh, just like I was a starter for that week and, and then handling my special teams duties. Um, so I just take care of that. You know, whenever my number, number is called, then I'm ready to roll. The, the cool part at the time, I want to say, um, you know, Malik was there with you and Brett was there with you and, and Randy was still trying to find his way back on the field. And you're obviously playing with Randy now. And it was awesome to see him turn loose this year. How did that Husker connection help you, you know, to kind of ease into what being a pro was all about and, and obviously still working with Randy every day? Yeah, it was really nice. You know, I think there's – I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but I think – that Husker connection just kind of, it's a little different, you know, it just runs a little bit deeper. So having those guys around was super nice. And, and I know uh, having Randy back this year has been awesome. Uh, you know, I was, I only got one year with him, but to, to get to play with him again and be around him, it's been a lot of fun. He's a really good dude. So it was exciting to see him back around and, and have him as a teammate again. Are you healthy? You feeling good? Yeah. Yep. I'm feeling healthy. We made it through. So, I can't complain too much. Good, good to hear. Well, Luke, let's let's tie this back to Nebraska. This has just been an unbelievable week so far to see, you know, players come in and and, and leave and and then opt back in, I guess, so to speak. Let's let's just start with JoJo and and the cuz I know that's a guy you're familiar with and um, play the same position, probably asked to do a lot of the same things in coach Chin's defense. He's grown up so much, and he was so fun to watch this year. Such a win for this team to get him back for another year. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about about JoJo and what type of personality he is, and you know what what your excitement level to see him play as a Husker another year. Yeah, I'm super pumped for Jello, JoJo. He, uh, man, he's just he's just a baller. That's really all you can say about him. He's uh, he's been a gamer ever since he got there, and I think you can really just tell how much he's matured here in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, just like everybody else going through a bunch of changes and positions and all that, you know, he had to deal with that. And I think having two years um, to play that, 
the position he's at now and and to really focus in on it and be a leader now, you know, as a guy who's been around and done it, um, I'm pumped for him for this next coming year. I think he's going to do a lot of big things, you know, even even bigger than what he did last year. So I think everybody should be really excited about him. Luke Giver, former Husker Blackshirt, Husker captain, Dallas Cowboy with us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Gift, the college game has changed so much, even since you've left. I mean, the amount there was always attrition every year. You had guys transfer in, transfer out. That was just part of the deal when you have a roster of 100-plus guys. But I feel like even now it's become even more fluid. Then you throw COVID on top of it, the the waiver period where guys don't have to sit out a year. It's It's almost impossible to keep up with. But I do want to ask you about you know how fans maybe should take what's been happening with the roster losing a guy like Wandale losing JD last year there there are probably a handful of people wondering you know what what is exactly going on in the locker room and how how should yeah. some of the older guys you know kind of take that and 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 you know permeate the message to the younger players about what what this program should be about and if you know you're not on board then this isn't the place for you and you I know you were one of those guys when right. you were here that was all in and I know it takes a lot of players in that locker room for this thing to work and if you're if you're not all in it's not going to work what what's kind of your perception right. with the college athlete anymore gift based on how you took it when you were there playing and now watching it from afar mm-hmm you know, I think the first thing is um, everyone's situation is different, you know, and I know like both JD and Wandale, I can't speak for them and I haven't been around the last couple of years, but um, it's it's just different for everybody. And I know both those guys worked really hard when I was around them. And you know, I don't know Wandale as much, but I've been around the program enough and know the guys there to know that he's always been a hard worker. And, you know, so I, I don't think that you can really pin it on any one thing, but at the same, at the same time, you know, for the guys who are there um, at the end of the day, it really only matters who's there with you, you know? So you're going to have guys come and go, but um, if you really want to get to where you want to be at and where I think everybody wants the program to be back at, um, it shouldn't matter. You know, it's the next guy up. It's, we got to keep grinding. You know, it doesn't matter who's, who's out there on the field. Um, and I think that, you know, especially with all those guys coming back, um, a lot of senior leaders and guys that have been through battle and and know what it takes to be good now, you know, they've been through it and they've been in the program for a couple of years with Coach Frost and the culture is starting to get turned. I think, you know, you'll really see that. Um, I don't I don't know that, that those guys um, leaving will really affect the guys that are there, you know. And, and, I, and obviously I don't know exactly what's going on, but – I I know that I know that it's in good hands and I know what they're trying to do is what um from a fan's perspective is exactly what they would want so Giffen and the other part to it too is I feel like as an alum as somebody I mean, I, th I feel like you and, and guys like Mick Stoltenberg and you know would be perfect guys. Divine would be perfect guys to to, to have this conversation with because not only were you did all of you guys have your trials and tribulations in Lincoln? Uh, most of you, you know, the guys, at least the three that I named, you rose to be captains, guys that were relied upon. You put in the blood, sweat, and tears in the weight room. You were a part of the transition yourself. You helped build it, so to speak. I have to imagine, you know, you're, you're maybe a little torn when you see guys that don't make it, you know, you, the five Florida kids that don't even yeah. make it a full season in Lincoln kind of 
you know, mm-hmm. get the opportunity in Nebraska than Bolt. But at the same time, you've got guys like Markell and Deontay that announced today that you know they both they both have things going in their personal lives. That, that you know they, they could easily just say yeah it's time to move on but you see them want to come back as an alum as somebody who's played with those guys what does that mean to you to just see how much those guys still care when maybe some of the the other players that have just packed it up said yep this isn't for me I'm mm-hmm. out when you have some of those guys that are part of the program how's that make you yeah. feel as an alum oh I think that's huge you know those are the types of guys that you want to build around and you know I think and nothing against you know some of those other guys that have left and I know I think back to when I was young and, you know, I, there were times where I was like, this just isn't working. You know, I like, I should be playing. Um, I'm sure I could go somewhere else and play. Like just, I just thought everybody was out to get me, you know, like I was, thought I was doing everything that I should be doing to be on the field. It just wasn't happening. And, and finally it just clicked for me, you know? And so I think going through injuries and uh, position changes and coaching changes and all that stuff, and sticking it out really made me into the player um, that I was by the time I left. And I think you could say the same thing about Deontay and Markel. Those guys are two examples of a lot of the same things, injuries, new coaches. Um, Deontay was at a Juco, you know, so they've, they've been through it. They know what it's like. And so I, I, I think, you know, being around Nebraska and, and going through the struggles they've gone through and, um, experiencing the things that they have, those are the guys that you want in your defense and your team. So I'm super excited for them. Luke, there's another guy that I want to that I want to bring up with you, and uh, I mean, it's just it's heartbreaking to to find out, you know, that that the, his football career is over. Colin Miller, a guy that I know you've spent time with, and it's it's been so fun to watch Colin kind of grow up. But to see his career end, I know you're you're a man of faith, as is he. You know, that game against Illinois when, you know, we're kind of getting thumped and no one expected that, all of a sudden he's down on the ground and, and everything in life just came into a perspective head right there. And to hear him talk about how he wants to play catch with his son and wants to be able to, you know, have a life worth living beyond football, it was it was heart-wrenching to hear. When when you kind of step back and look at, at Colin and his situation, what do you think about? Man, it's, uh, it's tough, you know, I – it's you just gotta it's hard to even think about you know it's I think as a football player it's something that you always consider you know when you're out there like the risks of the game you know it's a physical game it's it is what it is but man he's he's such a good dude and has worked so hard and came so far and turned into a great player you know you feel for him because I think there's no doubt that he definitely had a shot to play at the next level so but I think for him to be so wise about the situation and have the perspective that he had on it um, has been really cool to see. And I think he's, you know, again, that's another guy that you want to be want to be the face of your program. So I think I think everybody can say that has been around Colin and play with him that um, we're we're all proud of him and, and we're happy that we've gotten to know him because he's a great dude. Giff, what's your level of optimism with the team right now? Watching Coach Shenander's defense, you know, having been a part of it and just seeing the strides that they've taken. I mean, getting all that experience back with Cam Taylor, Britt, JoJo, guys we've talked about already. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the defense and what this the potential of this group could be next year? Oh man, I'm I, I'm super excited for them. I think uh, you know I think they can do a lot of really good things. I think you know you just named all those guys coming back and then that D line. I thought. Honestly, to me, the biggest difference this past year was the D-line mm-hmm. and just how much growth they've had. Um, 
so to add that all together, man, I think you can see a lot of really good things this year, um, especially with some younger guys coming up, uh, getting into the mix. So I think there's a lot to be excited on, about on defense. Coach Shins has got them playing the right way. They're running around. And, you know, that, that Illinois game, it's, to me, that's still, that's still part of growing pains. You know, it's, it's, um, it's definitely still a process, but you can see a lot of the things that are needed to be the type of defense they want to be, and, and I think they're definitely on their way. Hopefully here next season for you and for everybody else, season can return to normal and, you know, these guys can really be turned loose. We can see what they, uh, what they can do. Well, what's next for you, man? What, what's kind of on the short-term plan for you for the next month to two months after a long and probably stressful season? Yeah, I'm probably a little bit of vacation. Um, boy, Not really vacation these days, but <laughs> yeah. uh, just hanging out and maybe make a trip home and see some family. So, it's not going to be a whole lot, you know, for, for a couple of weeks here. But then as soon as February comes, we're definitely kicking it back into year. And it's a big year for me, so i, I got to be ready to roll, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll get back after here after a couple of weeks. But for now, I'm just going to keep it pretty low-key. Gift, great to talk to you, man. Great to hear that you're doing well. Miss seeing you down there on the sidelines. And, uh, you know, hopefully that day can, can come, come again soon. Glad to hear that you're doing well. Thanks so much for coming on and chatting with us, man. It was awesome to talk with you. Wish you the best. Keep yourself healthy. Look forward to see you out there on the field next year. No doubt. Thanks for having me. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty and Tim Curran. That's right. As Ben mentioned at the top of the hour there, it is the dawn of a new era. Season two of the Everyone Plays edition. Uh, we have ended the tyranny of only allowing Greg and Ben to get their answers on, but we... <laughs> have bravely entered a brave new world uh, where we all get a play. And, uh, yeah, to kick us off tonight with a very fantastic season two. Uh, only a couple answers uh, to, to bring you from last week, just two, in fact. Uh, beginning with Greg's NFL question, uh, buy or sell that Tom Brady would throw for more yards than any quarterback of the past weekend's NFL playoff games. Uh, the answer was a sell, just barely. He was uh, second with 381 passing yards behind only Ben Roethl-somethings, uh, 501. Wow, that's not a bad tally at all. Uh, we literally all sold it across the board, even me, noted <laughs> Brady lover. Uh, it was difficult to sell, uh, but I don't feel too bad because we all got it right. Good for us. I think what Roethlisberger threw it 68 times. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's going to accumulate some yards throwing it throwing it that It's that like a much, big 12 so. game. You know, just oh, slinging man. it. But we all knew, we all knew, terrific Tom wasn't going to come through for anybody there in that situation. So uh, <laughs> Has we're all he ever on the board. Through? Came through for his team, guys. Take note. Good, good for that person. All right. Next up, a uh, question from Tim. Hey, oh, hey guys. Hey everyone. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Feel at home. All right, uh, Tim had a college football question last week, a buy or sell that Justin Fields would throw for at least three touchdown passes in the title game or that Trey Sermon would rush for at least 100 yards and score one touchdown. That ended up being an easy sell. Fields only threw for one touchdown, and Trey Sermon obviously only had that one rush for two yards before going to the hospital. Um, myself and Tim are the only people to sell it. Everyone else incorrect with a buy. Nice. Good for you, boys. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks. I Good set the bar low, and you guys couldn't clear it. So, 
Fields should have had a second. I, I still think that was a touchdown that he threw in the end zone, but it wouldn't have mattered. He, he, I don't think he was even really that close to getting a third. Um, so yeah, that's just just disappointing. It it kind of looked it kind of looked like maybe he would get it. That Master Teague had a couple of, of rushing touchdowns there, but not to be. Well, uh, that brings us to this week's totals. Uh, Brett and I are the golden boys of the group. We're a perfect two of two on the season, uh, 100%. Undefeated. Undefeated. Uh, everyone else sitting at one of two. No one went over, uh, but everyone else has some ground to make up. Uh, a total of one <laughs> question at the very least. Uh, which brings us to this week's questions. And, Ben, we will let you take things away. Sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and bat lead off. Um, we're, we're going to the Ball Brothers in the NBA. We had our first round of LaMelo versus Lonzo last week with the Hornets versus the Pelicans. Both wear number two on the jersey and both like to fill up the stat column. So buy or sell that LaMelo ball gets two more triple double, or excuse me, two triple doubles before Lonzo ball. So two triple doubles. For LaMelo before Lonzo, LaMelo got his first triple-double uh, last week. I think it was maybe Saturday is when he got his first. So LaMelo gets two triple-doubles before Lonzo, and I am going to buy that. I uh, He did not have a good game tonight. He was horrible tonight. Uh, but I do think that um, it, it should be close. They'll both fill up the stats, but give me give me the young bull. And I, don't, I still don't know why he's not starting for them. He's off the bench, but I'll take LaMelo. Yeah, I'll buy it as well, and I also think he beats LiAngelo in the G League. Yeah, he might he might do that too, yeah. <laughs> hmm, I'm not an expert in all things ball. I do know their father is uh, very irritating on television. Um, that said, two triple-doubles before Alonzo even gets one, I, that seems like a pretty big bar to clear. I'm going to sell first that. First one to two. First one to two. Oh, first one to two. E- either, well, I'll still sell it. Uh, I believe in Alonzo. Uh, I Going think I'm going to... He's what three years older than Lamelo? The experience, yeah, going with the experience least, yeah. factor. That's right. I'm gonna go ahead and buy that one. I think uh, Zion actually is injured right now, so I think that could factor into Lonzo maybe not putting up as much numbers as he would normally. Fair enough. And Austin, you're up. Okay. okay, I will stick in the NBA. Go to the news of the day. Do you guys buy or sell that James Harden plays more games for Brooklyn this season than Kyrie Irving? I'm going to buy it. Hmm. Yeah, uh, put me down for a buy as well. Uh, Who knows how long this Kyrie Irving hiatus is going to last. It probably ain't due to an injury. Maybe he has COVID because he was pictured maskless at that gathering party, whatever you want to call it. But, uh... Yeah, he's kind of gone AWOL. Uh, so uh, James is, James got what he wanted. He wanted to leave Houston. He's out of there. He's ready to roll. Uh, I don't think Kyrie is the same. So I'm going to buy that. Yeah, he's easy buy for five me. five games, by the way. Kyrie has. Easy buy for Brett. Yeah. Make, it, make it four for four. I, I don't know what Kyrie – I mean, he maybe has more incentive to play now that Harden's there. But he's really unhappy with the situation in Brooklyn. I could see him getting shipped out of there in the next week. I, I just don't know what what that guy's deal is. Um, I yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, that Brooklyn's not going to make that play for Harden and not shove that dude in the lineup every night. So give give me the beard. All right, uh, moving on to my NHL queue. As I uh, noted, uh, I'm a big puckhead, if you will. Uh, buy or sell that at least 30 goals are scored in tonight's slate of opening night NHL games. Please ignore the fact 
that um, the games are already underway. No peaking, even though I gave some scores off in my tickers. Uh, that being said, I'm buying. Uh, there's a lot of goals coming still yet from the Blues, who are going to uh, annihilate the Avalanche. A conservative estimate would say they're probably going to score at least 12 to 15 goals. <laughs> so uh, put me down for a buy. I'll buy that too. Without uh, without hearing your ticker, I'll buy that one. Give me all the goals. Uh, I'm definitely selling this because the Blues are not going to win. Um, they're definitely. Oh, you're you're looking lose. at my other. Uh, you're looking at my. You're, you're you're taking a sneak peek at my other well, buy sell queue. You, did you change the order of your questions? I might have. You did. <laughs> well, so, so, someone's not locked in to what I'm saying. All right. I mean, well, I, I like to I, I like to see the question for myself. No, I'm uh, sure. But yeah, I'm taking offense. Give me the goals. All right. Uh. I uh, want to be different, but I probably shouldn't. If everyone else is buying, I probably oh. should as well. No, hey, that don't be a follower. No, I'm gonna sell. Are you are you a leader or a follower? Yeah. Sheep. I I am. Yes. I'm neither. I'm just a contrarian. I, I a leader am, yes. right now. No, you're not, Tim. <laughs> Tim's never been a contrarian. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Oh, all right, next question. Uh, Husker women's basketball buy or sell that at least one player on the Nebraska women's basketball team scores at least 20 points in the Huskers' next two games or a player records a double-double in one of those two games. Uh, I think they've got Ohio State on Saturday and then Minnesota on Tuesday. On Tuesday. I'm going to go ahead and buy that one. I think um, Izzy gets probably gets the 20 points is probably the most likely outcome. See, I would, I would be willing to buy this, too. I'm just kind of concerned with some injuries because Izzy, she might play against Ohio State. She might not. Um, so I don't know. It, it, I, I would normally buy this because I think uh, it, would, it would get to at least 20 would be the, the part of the question I would buy the most. Double-doubles are a little bit trickier. So I'm going to sell. I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, but uh, just to sell right now because too many injuries. I'm going to buy it. Sam Hybe gets there. Yeah, she had that 27-point game a couple games ago. Yeah, playing well. Yep, I'll buy Sam Hybe on the points, and if I'm going to call my shot on a double-double as well, I think Kate Kane's due for a pretty good game. But Hybe also has a double-double this year as well with rebounds. She's toward the top of the team in rebounds. She might be the one to get the double-double as well. Well, look at that. Hedging your bets. Uh, okay, then I'll, I'll uh, read a Greg's absentee ballot uh, question. He had one uh, on Husker Women's Gym. Buy or sell at the Husker Women's Gymnastic Team would score more than 196 points on their Friday meet against Illinois. Uh, Greg, or rather, uh, yeah, Greg sold it, uh, and I'm going to sell it too just because uh, I, I did not bother to crunch the numbers. That sounds like a lot of points. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sell it. Um... <laughs> I'll, I'll I, don't, I, I don't even know what a good score is. Ready for, ready like, for some more 100. informed opinions? <laughs> Let me buy that just to be different. All right, there we go. I mean, I guess, I guess my motto is root for points. So, yeah, let's stick some landings. Let's uh, let's drill yeah. some floor routines. Let's do some flips on some on some rings and whatever else they do in gymnastics. How gonna, is Greg gonna just going to leave high. us with this without any explanation at all? Well, well looking, pulling up their, their scores from last year, 196 cheater. was pretty much their median. So, Oh, yeah, we're hitting that's, that. That's a good line. That's a good the line. The girls are hitting, Greg, hitting so. that for sure. Let's, let's come out swinging. Yeah, let's just buy it. All right. All right. Bold move. Did Josh. we all buy? No, I sold uh, it. Yeah. Tim sold it. Greg Tim's sold out. it. I'm Tim's a Greg hater. And Josh, Josh sold, sold it. it so. We split it. Yeah. T- Tim, Greg, and Josh are haters. 
This is true. This is probably true. Confirmed. All right, well, Josh comes to us with an NFL question here, buy or sell, that a quarterback throws for at least 425 yards in the divisional round or a team scores at least 45 points in those rounds. Um, He bought that question, and I will buy that one as well. I think hmm. we see a lot of points, a lot of yards. I could see Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes doing that. It's a lot of yards, but Ben Roethlisberger had like 500 billion yards, <laughs> and it, he also had to have like 1,500 passing attempts. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sell just because I I could see it happening, but it, I think it's gonna be one or two guys will get close, but come up just short. So sell. It's playoff time. Oh man! I could see Mahomes just throwing for five fifty. I, I could see it too, but I just—he probably will. Denzel Ward back at practice. I think the Browns are getting getting pretty close to full strength. If that matters to anybody, that pass rush too. Yeah, true. Um, I'm gonna sell it. I, I think the yards are way more likely than the points. Looking at the Vegas lines, I mean. The highest point total is 55 in the Chiefs-Browns, and the Chiefs are favored by 10. Um, so that that tells you, man, that's, that's that tells me that the Chiefs aren't supposed to get close to that, and the Vegas typically on with that stuff. So I think the throwing for the yards is way more likely to happen. I, I'm just gonna say that it doesn't for the reasons that we talked about already with the Browns, with Miles Garrett and getting the the pass rush and the, and the secondary back and the Bills and the Ravens I mean they've got to be familiar with one another at this point so I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to sell it and there's the potential for snow in Buffalo and be Lamar Jackson's yeah. first snow game if that well it would be I Josh game, Allen I think right the, the one game we haven't mentioned though is that Buck Saints one that I think is the most likely candidate I think both those teams have pretty explosive offenses but I still don't think it happens I'll sell Radio on to Ben. Okay, here we go. Round two. Buy or sell that Nebraska volleyball wins both matches against Indiana and a player has at least 15 kills in each match. Mm. So, so the same Huskers, player has to have 15 no, in each No, no so one. the leading the leading okay. killer has at least 15 okay. in both matches, and I'm buying that. We're coming out swinging, literally. That's a lot of oh, murders absolutely. to happen on the on the hardwood there. Uh, I'm going to sell it because I, I, I can see uh, Nebraska Can I, can I get both. my answer in, please, No, Tim? I'm still I'm, I'm already talking. <laughs> Tim, Tim's got the mic. You're not going to. Tim's got the. Austin, Tim's got, got the, the talking stick. Like a bull in a I, china I shop. Yeah, I've, just, I've just knocked over half the. half the. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, no, I'm going to sell it, but only because. Uh, not because I'm doubting. Not because I'm a Husker hater. I think they'll win both matches. I think we'll see at least a player get 15 kills in one of the matches. Maybe Lawrence Stiffens gets there. I don't know. Uh, but I think in both matches, that's that's a lot. So I'm I'm gonna sell. Brett, do you want to trample on me too? <laughs> no, Jeez. you can go ahead. What's up with this victim mentality <laughs> right now, Austin? Snowflake. Oh, it's, it's all about popular being a follower, insult not on a this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna buy it though. I, I'm with Ben. We come out swinging. Let's do it. Yeah, we swing for the fences. Wins and kills. Heck yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why the outlaws won the World Series. It's going to be a buy from me as well. All right. Which brings us to Mr. Orman. Uh, I will allow you to speak this time to get your question out. You have my Thank permission. Thank you very much. 
I appreciate that. I'll go to the NFL for this next one. You guys buy or sell that at least two of the four NFL divisional round games hit the over for their projected point totals. Right now, the Lions are 57 for Chiefs-Browns, 45.5 for Packers-Rams, 50 for Ravens-Bills, and 52 for Bucks-Saints. I'm going to sell it. I think I'm going to sell it. I think Kansas City-Cleveland gets over, but the Rams' defense has been really good. The potential for snow drives me under in Baltimore-Buffalo. And Tampa Bay and New Orleans have seen each other enough. I know I just said their offenses can be explosive, but I don't necessarily think they're going to be. So I think one gets it, but I'm going to sell it. So you need two of the four, right? Yep, at least two. Tim? Uh uh, I'll take it. I'm, I'm going to buy it because uh, even though those lines are pretty exceedingly high, um, that's a lot of points to give up in a playoff game. But uh, I can just feel it kind of in my bones that there's going to be some <laughs> some teams pop off for a, for a couple tutties. So uh, I hated everything about that sentence I just said, but I'm going to buy it. <laughs> I'm going to buy it. Ben? Um... See, I'm in, a, I'm in a pickle here because normally, you know, I always say points, baby, right? I mean, it's not even a thought, but mm-hmm. I'm getting I'm getting the feeling that this this one isn't going to be this one isn't going to happen. So I'm actually really? going to go against the grain here and sell it, and I don't feel good about I don't feel good about it. I just I'm going shouldn't. away from my comfort zone. You shouldn't. No, yeah, you you really shouldn't because I'm going to go against you on that one, and I'm going to buy that. I think I could see that happening in three of the four actually. So oh, wow, wait, his cards on the table. Put the money down. <laughs> okay, got my NHL one. Uh, we already know what, what Ben thinks of my question, but I'll ask it anyway. Buy or sell that the San Louis Blues score at least four goals and defeat the Colorado Avalanche tonight in their NHL season opener. Uh, gentlemen, that answer is obviously a buy. Uh, in fact, four goals, as I mentioned, is a conservative estimate. Uh, we'll probably have four goals by the end of the first period. So uh, put me down for a buy. The Blues on to their uh, march to win the West and ultimately the Stanley Cup. Um, I don't know if there's a way that we can like highlight this question or make a, make a bookmark of it that this is the easiest sell of season two and we're only in week was this week two of season two week and this two, will be the easiest sell of all time and Tim if you want to have a friendly wager on uh, you know your your blues making it further than my lightning uh, you know oh. I think I've got a, a shiny nickel around here somewhere sure. we can put on that sure I'm willing to, to, to sell my soul to the devil uh, so to speak. I will sell, not my soul to the devil, but Tim's question. Yeah, I'm going to sell that one, I too. I want to buy it, honestly, but just because I love the points, like Ben said in the last question. But, yeah, a little too steep well, for the, me the, there, The too. Avalanche are going to be the ones getting all the points here. Yeah, you guys be, are all going to be lighting sorry. the lamp all night. <laughs> You're gonna, you guys are going right. to get a text at, like, 5.30 a.m. when that game eventually ends, uh, and you are all going to be sorry, just so you know. Okay. All right. Bring us home, Brett. Well, we wrap up with a little football question, a little world football by ourselves. That football? There, that there are at least two goals scored from open play in the Manchester United-Liverpool matchup on Sunday. And uh, for those of you that don't know, open play, no free kicks, no penalties. Well, I'm going to say – I'm going to – I'll buy gonna, that. Just throw that out there. Okay, right away. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it because I, I do li- I do like the fact that there's two goals uh, from open play. 
Um, I think that if you add in free kicks or penalties, because again, VAR has been insane uh, mm-hmm. this year with with the amount of penalties they've awarded. Um, so, and I think Liverpool also. Uh, not that I'm a biased Everton fan or not, they uh, <laughs> they get quite a few more penalties than they should. Uh, that being said, yeah, I am going to buy it. I do think we're going to see some goals. That being said, looking at the team's recent form uh, in the Premier League, they haven't exactly been popping off goals wise. Um, and Man United and Liverpool, both their defenses are strong enough. So I think I think we'll get to just two, uh, but it, it's a good line. I'll, I'll give you that, Brett. So, but put me down for a buy. Hey, thanks, Tim. Yeah, it's a lot of analysis there of soccer. My head hurts. Um, <laughs> it, ben, it's first versus second. And, the last uh, time, the last time the soccer gurus agreed on a question, they got it correct. So I'm going to agree with them this time, and I'm buying. <laughs> I don't speak European. A lot of that went right <laughs> over my head. Yeah, don't but, speak European. You know, you I guess I'll Flemish. buy it too just to fit in. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big uh, Europe fan. I love Brussels. Uh, it's all good. Yeah. Wow. What a way to end it. Right. Good stuff, fellas. Yeah, Thank yeah, you all. Brett, thanks for uh, <laughs> gracing us with your presence this evening. Yeah, no problem. You're welcome for my time. It's great. Thank you. Brett, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Tim. You'll bill us thanks, later. Austin. Congratulations to Tim and Brett for their perfect week of 2-0. and Congratulations to them. Okay, Austin and Tim. Um, this, is, this is the scary, scary time that, uh, that, we, that we have here on the program every year. It's like it's the, it's the test that you felt like you studied for, but then you took it and you walked out going, huh, well, that one didn't feel so good. Um, and and we're, 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 about to, we're about to find out just how bad we did with our uh, with our preseason top 25 so let me first by start start by saying how we do this a little reminder to everybody the first thing we always do is we come up with our top four uh teams where we think they're going to make the playoffs and then we kind of go from there um and the other the other kind of rule of thumb is we we like to put no more than three usually non-power five teams in there we we, we find a couple that we like to to, to shove in there but then um, you know, others are tough cuts. This year, it would have been a huge benefit to us to put more teams in there. Uh, so let's go ahead and, uh, and and break it down here f- for everybody. We thought the number one team in the country coming to the year was Clemson. We thought the Tigers were going to win the national championship. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, they got boat raced by Bama. We had Ohio State at number two. That's where they finished. Uh, no, no shame in that. Had them losing to Clemson. They did lose to Alabama, which we had three. The fourth team we had to play off, though, however, guys, Oklahoma. And that was uh, not correct. Oklahoma finished sixth in the AP poll. Thought maybe the Sooners would be in the college football playoff. That definitely did not happen. Uh, they lost pretty early and did not look like a good football team early on. So that that was a big miss, Oklahoma. Biggest miss probably of this entire thing, Penn State at five. Yeah. They started 0-5. <laughs> um, so so maybe we get a point there. Tim, this is this is a credit to you because your comment was they're overrated trash. And as uh, it turns yes. out – you were uh, you were correct. You were out on Penn State, and and rightfully so. They they belonged not in the top five. Look, many geniuses in their own time were not recognized as the true savants uh, that they were. So I'm willing to humbly uh, yet gracefully accept that I was right and y'all were wrong about Penn State. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good night Good for you, Tim. Congratulations. Uh, 
we had Florida at six. They finished at 13. Um, Georgia next at, uh, at seven. And we nailed them right at seven. And Brett is now off the call or off the show. Uh, he thought they were a playoff team. It's a good thing we did not listen to Brett. Tim, you were confused <laughs> on the Wisconsin pick. Didn't, didn't buy it. They were our next pick. And nowhere to be seen in the top 25. COVID, obviously a huge issue, but I don't think that was the only reason. They, uh, they were not a yeah. top 25 team Again, my, this year. my clairvoyance has come to fruition. I, I saw the impending doom uh, surrounding the program like a dark cloud, uh, and I was right again. The other notch of my quiver. Or, good for you, Tim. Oregon was our next pick at number nine. They were awful, uh, did not belong in the top 25. Our, com- our comment there was they were the best of a bad conference. Maybe true, but technically the they did confer- win the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, but the bad conference part um, still wasn't good enough for a number nine rank. Texas A&M we had here at ten. They finished up at number four. I do think we were probably higher on A&M than a lot of other people. Uh, Notre Dame we had all the way down at eleven, so they finished at five. Maybe pegged them to be a further step back than they were. LSU at twelve. Everybody was all over LSU. Yeah, we knew they weren't going to be quite as good. I couldn't have been further out on LSU going uh, going through this. So here's the, my chance where I can beat my chest a little bit. My comment was they are way too high at 12. And as it turns out, they did not belong in the top 25, gentlemen. No, they are bottom 25 at best. They're probably trying to climb out of the bottom five this year. They were real bad. And to your credit, you you did push for that. We were you were ultimately overruled, but yes. we will give you your due here. You did not want them anywhere near this list. And uh, yet, yet here they were. We had Minnesota at 13. That was a big miss. Auburn at 14. That was a big miss. Uh, Texas 15 didn't belong there. Boise State was our first group of five, and obviously BYU uh, was far superior to them and, and ran through them. We had North Carolina at 17. They finished at 18. Small pat on the back there. Uh, Michigan at 18. Nope. Did not like that. Oklahoma State at 19. They finished at 20. Right on on the pokes. Arizona State we had at 20. Um, nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Cincinnati we had at 21. We knew they were going to be good. We did not know they would be eighth-ranked good, so missed by 13 spots on the Bearcats. Indiana at 22. Greg can take a little pride in this. He wanted uh, the Hoosiers in the list. They finished up at 12, so credit to Greg for fighting for the Hoosiers there. Iowa State we had at 23. I got to bite the bullet here. I, I was out on Iowa State. I didn't even want them in, the, in, in our top 25. They finished at number nine, so uh, the Matt Campbell lovers, uh, good on you. Yeah, Central you right. Florida. At 24, nowhere to be found. USC at 25, they finished at 21, so not bad. But, boys, looking at the final AP, AP ranking, you had, uh, let's, let's count here, you had BYU, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, Liberty, Ball State, San Jose State, Buffalo. You had eight of the top 25 non-Power 5 conferences, and there's no way we would ever put eight non-Power 5s in our <laughs> top 25 Hence why we missed on so many of these teams. But um, we're not – sorry, we're not going to look at that and put the Raging Cajuns in there or Coastal Carolina. Dude. Letter grade, Austin, how would we do? You know, I would give us a solid B. 
B-minus to a B kind of effort. I think the top three were pretty obvious in Clemson, Ohio State, and Bama. Got a little bit jumbled there, but I don't know if we could have foreseen the, the Mac Jones revolution really taking that offense to even another level. Oklahoma at number four was a defensible pick. Um, they started playing more like it towards the end of the year, so that's okay. Five through ten, a, a mixed bag. Penn State's a miss. We hit Florida, Georgia pretty well. I think Florida was a lot better than 13 throughout most of the year, and then that last taste of that Oklahoma game wasn't obviously good, so they dropped to 13. 11 through 15 was very rough. Notre Dame, we were a little low on, and then the next four were nowhere close to the ranking, so that drags us down. 16 through 20. And it was fine. I think Boise was defensible. Oklahoma State, we did pretty well on. Arizona State, nowhere near it. And then the back half, that's where we always in the meetings talk about just taking some flyers on some teams. You said we knew Cincinnati would be good. Greg was higher on Indiana than the rest of us. We knew they'd be in the conversation. You didn't want Iowa State. I think I was one of the ones pushing for them there. So we at least had him in. And Central Florida and USC have just been about that good recently so it's worth taking flyers on them so I think the actual results are probably you know a C to a C plus but in terms of the process behind the picks I think I'll give us a an A minus and then I'll balance out to about a B. Tim? I'm in that same range as Austin. Uh, we had some major whiffs but for the most part we, we got it right and in fact uh, I know that for part of this at least we made our top 25 in the in the halcyon days when conferences were still considering playing non-conference games, and so that got kind of thrown out of the equation. And, yeah, we, we weren't going to anticipate, you know, Ball State or San Jose State or the Buffaloes of the world creeping into the top 25 at the last minute. So uh, in ter- all things considered, I think we did well. Uh, the one area where I, where I did whiff bad, even though on the whole, on balance, I was just amazing. Uh, but Minnesota – was the team that I had staked my flag. I was rowing the boat with P.J. Fleck. Uh, as a fellow bald, uh, I have a great affinity uh, for P.J. Fleck. Also, as someone who rubs people the wrong way, uh, P.J. Fleck and I are like peas in a pod. Uh, the, the Golden Gophers just flamed out this year. They were awful. Uh, my personal hypothesis is that there was this weird – uh, comments coming out of PJ World saying that he was actually glad when they first canceled the the season because they didn't want to play, and then they came back, and then they had COVID issues, and uh, players opt out. So not a whole lot went right with Minnesota this year, and I have to eat crow on that. I thought they were going to win a lot. They did not. Also, Northwestern uh, having the year they did and Indiana having the year they did, I did not see those coming. But on the whole, uh, I think we did a decent job, all things considered. I'm a little more harsh on us than you guys are. I'm a C average to maybe a C plus. We missed the champion. I mean, we we didn't even have Bama in the championship. So I'm gonna I'm gonna crucify us a little bit from there. And yeah, our our, our middle picks weren't good. So I'm a little little harsher than than maybe you guys are. But I guess I've been doing this for what ten years now. So I maybe hold myself to a little higher standard. But um, yeah, and I and I and you know honestly, the way that this finished with all those non Power Five teams in there. It would have been hard. It would have been a hard year to get right anyway. Um, one more note on this, boys, before we hit the break. I'm really glad we didn't put any of our receiving votes teams in the top 25, <laughs> except for Iowa. Iowa would have been a good pick. They obviously had a great season. We had them as the second team. Look at our other teams that we consider: Tennessee, terrible; Virginia Tech, meh; Kentucky, bad; Baylor, bad; Cal, bad; Memphis, Utah, Washington State, bad. 
So uh, good, good on us for not putting well, any Washington's of those teams in. They're more the uh, symbolic uh, Brett Whitty Memorial vote uh, than anything else. Also, yes. Mike Leach is out. So, yeah, Washington State, probably last time they received votes in our prestigious top 25 poll. There you have it.